0: Hello and welcome to the Brazil Institute podcast, a production of the Wadro Wilson International Center for Scholars. I'm your host, Bruna Santos. In this episode, I'm joined by Felipe Nunes, who is a political science professor at the Federal University of Minas Gerais and a CEO of Quest, a poster company in Brazil. We will discuss Brazil's election scenario, methods behind the polls, and what to expect for Sunday. Felipe Nunes, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure, Bruno. Thanks for having me here today. It's great to be chatting over here, close to the very important election.
0: Felipe, my first question is what's in everyone's mind. So what to expect for Sunday?
1: Oh, well, on Sunday, I mean, I'm expecting to observe the most important election uh, Brazilians will have in a century, right? We have two presidents facing each other, two men who are well-known, who have popular bases, who govern uh, uh, Brazil, uh, making good and bad decisions, which means that we are approaching a very big, important political challenge because this is basically... What we call a second chance election, right? Voters are going to the to the ballots in that quest with that question in mind: Who deserves the second chance to govern my country? And for me, that will make this uh, this race very, very interesting and unique.
0: Can you share a little bit um, with us on the results from your last poll?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Quest has been doing uh, polls since July of last year. So every month we do a household face-to-face, doing an entire country uh, sample. Um, And what we found out recently is that the difference between Lula and Bolsonaro went up to 13 points, which means Lula got a little bit of uh, a bigger advantage from Bolsonaro. Um, making us to start thinking about the possibility of having this election being decided in the first round, right? Uh, It's not, I mean, we can't say that for sure yet because the the estimations are around the margin of of error. But yes, we can say that's close to Lula to actually get that vote done, especially if the strategic voting phenomenon actually happens when Lula get the votes from Ciro Gomes and Simone Tabich, who are not doing very well in this election, doesn't have a lot of chances, but yeah, has enough votes to help Lula to win this battle in the first round.
0: Yeah, can you explain to our audience really briefly what's the strategic vote, what it entails in this scenario?
1: Yeah, that's very important. So strategic voting is a phenomenon where voters rationally go to the ballots with a very clear preference in terms of a candidate. But in the last minute, they know their candidate doesn't have any chance to win the election. So they change their votes to someone who they believe will have higher chances of defeating the personality that they hate the most. So that can help Lula in a way that the rejection rate of Bolsonaro among Ciro and Tabit voters are very high, which means if those voters make the strategic voting, it's very, very likely that they will go toward Lula and that will help him to win, as I said, the battle in the first round. Thank
0: you. And I have seen you mention in interviews the hypothesis that there would be some sort of embarrassed voter for Lula. Why do you think that and how are you addressing this in in the polls?
1: So we have run a bunch of survey experiments here in Brazil during this first semester in order to capture the phenomenon of the shy voter or embarrassed voter uh, in Brazil. Those kind of studies have been done in the U.S. uh, in order to try to understand Trump voters, right? And we we kind of replicated those studies here. And uh, we found out that Lula voters are answering the polls but are not revealing their political preferences publicly. And why they're doing that? Because of fear. Two kinds of fear, Bruna, the fear of violence and the fear of public harassment. Okay, so let me give you two pieces of evidence on on, on that. So first, we asked voters if this election uh, is is more dangerous than elections in the past, uh, and what kind of dangers we're trying to get here. We're talking about the, you know, it's dangerous to reveal your political preference, and what we got is that there is almost 60% of voters who state that it's dangerous to review political preferences in public this year. So that doesn't mean voters don't have a preference, that doesn't mean they don't discuss with their families and friends, but they are afraid of saying that in public because they feel uh, they fear that this uh, may uh, have negative consequences for them. The second evidence we have is that half of Lula voters say they will not use a T-shirt, a bottom, or have his or her car with a campaign ad this year. Which means those voters, they are answering the questions in surveys, saying they're going to vote for Lula, but they're not showing that preference in public. Again, uh, afraid of any kind of harassment or violent uh, consequence.
0: And I ask you one question, and it may sound weird, uh, but as you know, there is uh, a movement denying the accuracy and even the credibility of polls. So why why should we believe in polls?
1: That's a that's a good point, Bruna. You know, uh, I'm a I'm a PhD from UCLA, uh, political science. I've taught in the U.S. I teach here in Brazil, and I'm a scientist, right? So. That's why I do what I do. Polls are scientific evidence on how public opinion is organized itself around elections. Uh, It's important to remember, everyone who is listening to us, that polls uh, have been in place since the 30s in the U.S., and they have a very important role in informing voters about how the entire electorate is actually going to behave in the day of the election, Right. So what we, what we do here is a very rigorous and careful um, uh, amount of procedures to make sure we have good estimates to make it public. So at Quest, for example, we take care of planning well the sample, running the estimates with uh, regression models, check the audios of the interviews, check the GPS of interviewers to make sure every interview was done in the right place, which means it's a lot of work to make sure that we have uh, precise information, right? So the public can have good, um, good information to, to make decisions. But also, Bruno, it's important to, to, to say that I have never seen any candidate who is losing an election or who is not doing well in the polls defending them, right? Unfortunately, usually they have to deny the accuracy of our work to make sure that their voters become uh, or keep motivated to go to vote for them, right? So unfortunately, there is this movement uh, against that. There is you know, a lot of rigorous work around here. And I'm sure the outcomes of the elections will show that uh, the polls were very effective to help voters understand the political movement in Brazil.
0: And, well, we cannot rule out a violent uh, post-election demonstration if the, the the incumbent candidate challenged the results. And what's your view on the risks of violence during and after the election? And I want to hear you as a political scientist, too. What risks do you envision uh, for the 2022 electoral process um, the campaign the election result how it may have uh, effects on brazilian democratic institutions
1: bruno one of the most important role in a democracy it's not the role of the winners but the losers the the only way a democracy can survive uh, in a stable way is when losers you know accept the outcomes go home and try and and become you know good opposition trying to check uh, how governments doing so unfortunately, since 2014, we have seen a different kind of movement in Brazil where some losers don't accept the outcomes. And that um, that preference, I mean, that way of behaving actually had big consequences in terms of democratic stability. Since then, the political system got disorganized and somehow and the outcomes were not very good for the country as a whole, okay? So this year, unfortunately, we have seen the actual president uh, making, you know, statements about how he would might not accept the outcomes, that he will try to call for a fraud in the electoral system, and I think that's, that's not good. That's not good news. And why is that? Because in doing this kind of thing, he's actually... Promoting among his voters an idea of contesting the outcomes, right? And as Bolsonaro has proven himself, someone very popular and someone who is able to mobilize voters, he can actually reproduce what Trump voters uh, did in the U.S. in the January sixth, right? So I myself hope that we will have uh, f- fair elections and that we will have the losers, no matter who it is, accepting the outcome. Uh, But the prognostic at this time is not very good for the country. I think uh, we might have protests in the street, depending on how the election uh, goes by this this Sunday.
0: So do you have any final thoughts or message to our audience for the, who are going to vote, especially the Brazilians who are going to vote on Sunday in the most pivotal uh, election in history, in our democratic
1: history? Yeah, as I said, that's a very important election because it's about two uh, presidents facing each other. To give an idea, Bruno, of the importance of this, uh, uh, the, uh, in the U.S., that kind of thing only happened once, in 1912, which means a very rare event, right? And over here, both Bolsonaro and Lula are very popular. They have big bases. So I am, I am expecting, uh, you know, those voters to go on the ballots with high expectations of winning uh, this race. Uh, and what I can expect from, from a political science perspective is that everything goes well and that uh, we keep having... Fair and free elections, so Brazil can actually keep going forward in a better, uh, in a better way of having its voters uh, having better life.
0: Thank you, and I wish you a peaceful election in Brazil. Thank you so much for your participation,
1: Felipe. Thank you, Bruna. It was a pleasure, and uh, I'll be available for another conversation. I hope will be more optimistic ones. Thank you.
0: Thank you. The Brazil Institute podcast is produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. To learn more, visit our website, www.wilsoncenter.org Brazil. Until next time, thanks for listening.